Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. So good to be with you. I'm Brian Wren. I'm your transition lead pastor, and I'm impressed. I'm impressed how many people are here. There's a major event about to happen in about an hour. And man, you could be getting ready for that football event in your house because you probably have some people coming over. I was chopping ice this morning before I came down. But the reality is you've put time to come here, set aside time. It's wonderful. It's so good to be with you. And if you're online getting at home, getting prepared, uh, enjoy the grace of the flexibility. As we begin today... I want us to reflect on the week you may have had. It's been an interesting week emotionally, uh, locally and nationally. I find it interesting that we are in a series on emotions at this time. So I have a question for you to start off today. What emotions do the shootings that killed seven people in Half Moon Bay and the violence uh, that you may be aware of that played out during this month in Memphis stirring you. Now, the reality is there's other places where a lot of other things have gone on, and I can't even, I don't have time to include all those. So maybe there's something about a place somewhere else that's impacting you more than just these two. Because if you think about what happened in Half Moon Bay, that gets pretty close to home. And because we have such access to the news, what we're all kind of coming back to see again is violence in Memphis around Tyree Nichols. And maybe for some, that name doesn't ring a bell and you've stayed away from the news because you've made a a choice to do that. But the reality is, uh, there's sadness around us and there's anger around us and there's shock around us. And then there's actually some folks that are scared around us because of just things like that. And so when we show up as a group of being intergenerational, we show up with a lot of those emotions. And I'm just at the emotional level. I'm not coming with a political ideology when I bring up any of this. So can we make that really clear, really clear? I just want to deal with the emotions and what God wants us to do with those emotions. So for you, pick one today. And maybe it's not related to this because maybe there's another circumstance in your own life that you're holding on to. Maybe it's just the joy of a grandchild that was so utterly cute. And it's just the joy of passing on a faith and all that other stuff fades. And that's okay too. Will you pick an emotion right now? What is it? We've tried to make them easy to remember. Glad, mad, sad, scared, shame, shocked. Where are you today? In our series, we're attributing emotional pain or just emotions to physical. When your body hurts, it's a sign to your body, isn't it? If you have physical pain, it's a sign to our bodies. When we have an emotional stirring, you know what's a sign to? Our soul. And after a while, if you have enough physical pain, where do you go? You go to the doctor and you seek some healing. And you may go to God too with that too. God, heal me. But what do we do really with our emotions? I would say we should do the same because they're acknowledging something going on in our soul and God 
wants to be the doctor to help us deal with those. But sometimes, let's face it, we get practical, and when we have emotions, where do we go? We go to a counselor. But either way, we've got to deal with our emotions. We've said it before during the series, but recognizing your emotions and learning to manage them with God is probably one of the most important life skills you can actually learn. Would you agree? Isn't that, think about it, recognizing your emotions and learning to manage them with God is one of the most important life skills. As good evangelical Christians, here's what we've typically done. We have made our walk with God about our head and our hands, and we'll forget our heart, or we'll stuff our heart, or we'll deny our heart, when our heart is a whole big part of this journey, and we've got to deal with our heart. Dealing with our heart is part of our discipleship process, because when you have anger and you figure out how to deal with it properly, you reflect Jesus more. When you are shocked and dismayed and you are not fully crushed by that, but allow God to get you at this moment and lift you back up, you are more like Jesus and reflecting Jesus. And if you can do that and then we can convey that to the world, we change the world. I'm the ultimate idealist that if we can change by the power of God in us, we will change the world. Is that not true? I believe it's very true. So let's talk about the power of sadness. Oh, it is powerful. It is so, so powerful. It can take us to desperate, desperate places. This image of the elephant is what we've been using throughout to talk about how we're the rider with our head knowledge, and then we have this elephant that has this heart power in it, and this elephant can take us crazy places. This is why at the end of the fourth quarter today, if the Niners score in the final drive, the elephant will make you crazy. Like, you, you might chest bump somebody at a party that you would never chest bump before. You would not pre-plan to be chest bumping them. But in that moment, the elephant's like, yeah, you're just chest bumping people. This is why people scream and sing at concerts, because the elephant takes them somewhere. But in sadness, the elephant can take us to desperate places. In a moment, I'm going to show you that in the Bible. And the elephant in sadness, here's what I've determined. When we have sadness, which in a moment we're going to talk about grief, and we have deep grief, the elephant either takes us to a better place with God or to a deeply bitter place with God. Can you relate to that? When people go through great loss and deep sadness, you I believe, and I've seen enough sitting with people and dealt with my own life, it either makes you better with God or bitter. And if it makes you bitter, that elephant can take you so, so far away from the one who wants to comfort you and handle your tears. Where are you with your sadness in God? Because this sadness is typically about a loss, and let's understand sadness a little deeper because, boy, there's a lot of facets of sadness. Sadness, in the end, takes us to a place of grief. I describe grief as this. Um, it's a place where the loss, we have a loss of expectations that we hope for. Can you say that? Loss of expectations that we hope for. One more time. Loss of expectations that we hope for. That's grief. That's grief. We had these expectations 
and it didn't play out. And look what it does then. You can see it on the screen. It throws us into this roller coaster ride. And the elephant takes us on this ride where there's times there's denial like today. Sometimes it's really healthy to have denial because otherwise you live just an endless angst. And today with the violence that maybe you've seen on TV and the shootings you've heard about, if we live in that too much, the elephant, it kind of can make us crazy. And denial is actually a gift from God in some ways. But we've got to deal with it because sometimes our grief takes us to anger. And as we talked about last week, we don't handle it well. Sometimes our grief takes us to these endless questions and begins to come after God with those questions or after other people with those questions. Sometimes it takes us to a deep, deep, deep depression. It feels like this wet blanket's on us that we can't maneuver, do anything in life. Have you ever felt like that? Where you're just so sad, you have this blanket on it, just you're so weighted down. And then we can actually have acceptance. Sadness is complicated, and this is why we need to talk about it. This is why there's images that showed up, like this image you'll see on the screen in Half Moon Bay after the shootings, this image of, as a community, what? We grieve. And this is what Memphis is going through. This is what areas of L.A. are going through. This is what some of the Asian communities are going through. Our black and brown communities are wrestling with just grief because they have sadness. And do you see why, like, prior Prior to releasing Tyree uh, Nichols' video, they, they asked people, don't let your deep sadness cause you to rage and riot. Would you be peaceful about it? In essence, they were asking people to manage their grief. They never said that, but that's what they were asking people to do. And that's what we have to do when we have a deep sadness of some sort. And think about why sadness happens. Sadness sometimes happens because you lose a friend, somebody dies. Or maybe a friendship is broken, or maybe it's the job you didn't get, or maybe it's this afternoon. I won't say because you'll think I'll jinx it, but if the Niners lose, woo. All right? But you will have to deal with your sadness this afternoon if that happens. This is why, you know. We're all glad when it's the fourth quarter of the Warrior game, and then they lose, and then there's this sadness that comes over us. And so our big idea today is this. Will you allow your sadness to lead you to God? So what I'm asking you to consider today, what do you typically do with your sadness? Do you deny it and never deal with it? Or do you let it stir in you in a way that you don't really know that it's doing and it's causing you to be unhealthy? Or do you go to God with it to really work it out? In a little bit, and kids, I know you're in the room, and kids, I want you to consider why I would have this bottle here today and why, why this has something to do with how God deals with our sadness. So kids, I want you to listen and figure out and this will help the grown-ups too. Why do I have this bottle? Because sometimes our sadness is shallow, like the 49ers lose, and sometimes it's really, really deep. Can you identify that in your life? Sometimes it's shallow, the sadness. It's over something. Boy, I'm sad about that. Or sometimes I am so sad about that. I want you to identify today your deep sadness. I'm sorry I'm taking you there, but I want you to consider it 
I want to tell you two stories of my own deep sadness because I hope it triggers and gets you to some deep sadness. It might be about something in your own life, but my deep sadness relates, this is the two times in my life I think I've had the deepest sadness. Back in 01 when our daughter Emma on the left died after two and a half years, uh, she had a heart ailment. And what was interesting from really... Uh, at two, at, uh, in 2001, in March, we had those three girls. So by March of 2001, we had three girls. But in six months later, we lost Emma on the left. And the sadness stirred in me so deep that when that wet blanket of depression came over me, the dishwasher was impossible to unload. I could unload the dishwasher in two minutes right now, okay? But the dishwasher seemed overwhelming. And then one of the signs that I knew that God had changed my life 10 years prior to that and was working in my life, he had taken swearing out of my life. He'd just taken it away. But the swearing came back. And the swearing came back about everything that irritated me. And I used words I hadn't used for 10 years. And then I had a friend say to me, he would say to me as we'd go into meetings here at church, hey, could you not uncork in this meeting? And I'd be like, help me understand that. He goes, well, it seems like when it doesn't go your way in any of these meetings, you just get a rate and you tell people off. Do you see what the sadness was doing to me? But as I kept taking it to God and kept taking it to God and kept taking it to God, he helped me get rid of the power, the elephant of that sadness, and come to a really great place of acceptance that became very useful then in ministering to other people about loss. That was 01. 20 years later, my buddy Steve, who's with my two girls in that picture, and if you can see, can you, kids, can you see the frog in that picture? Yeah, there's a frog in that picture, because that's who Steve was. At the age of whatever age he was, he decided to get a pet frog. And he'd bring it out for my kids, and it was just awesome. In 01, Steve walked much and his wife through that journey of loss, but 20 years later, Steve dies. May 5th, 2021, and that deep sadness came back again. And that deep sadness was filled with tears upon tears and then questions upon questions of why. God, why would you do that? Why would you have him have a massive heart attack in his house, die on his bed, his wife and child have to try to revive them, the paramedics show up seemingly too late, not within a six-minute period, and he just dies in the house after they work on him for 45 minutes. Why would you leave his 14-year-old daughter to see that and then be void of him when he was changing lives? Are you getting closer to your deep sadness? Is it the job you're mad about? Is it the abuse and how you were wrong? Is it the friendship that's broken? Is it the death? I want you to get there. Because I want you to see that God can handle your deep sadness. And if you don't, it handles you. Did you hear that? <laughs> God can handle the deepest sadness you have and I see people imprisoned over and over again by their deep sadness that leads them to such bitterness when God is wanting such freedom for them.
open your Bibles to Psalm 88, and let me show you one of the saddest Bibles, or excuse me, saddest passages in the Bible. This is on page 590 in the Pew Bible. Kids, open it up, follow along. 590 in your Pew Bible, Psalm 88. As we're going through here, find the saddest moment in this psalm. This is beautiful to me that this is put in the Bible for people to see that God can handle someone's saddest moment in their life. Psalm 88, oh, it's page 590 in the Pew Bible. I might have said that wrong, 590. Look what it says. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you, a lot of tears. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. Now here we go. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. God seems pretty distant right now from that person. It goes on. You have put me in the lowest pit, Lord, in the darkest depth. Your wrath lies heavy on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. There's some good metaphor here. Wave upon wave upon wave. Have you ever felt that way? The waves just won't stop. God, where are you? I'm drowning in what you're bringing into my life. Have you felt that way? You can cry out to God and declare that in anger to him. You've taken from me my closest friend and made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with what? Grief, a loss of expectation hope for. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. And here comes the bargaining, the questions in the grief. Do you see them? You won't see them on the screen because we don't have it all listed, but hear these. Do you show your wonders to the dead God? There's almost sarcasm here. Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your, de- is your love even declared in the grave? Your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders even possibly known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of the oblivion? In essence, God, where are you? I am miserable and can your grace get to me? There's anger here. But I cry out to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayers come to you before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From youth I've suffered and been close to death. I've been born, I've borne your terrors and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You've taken from me friend and neighbor. And look how it ends. No positive upswing. Look how it ends. Darkness is my closest friend. That's in the Bible because we can declare our lives to God like that in our deepest, deepest sadness. And he will accept us and he yearns to comfort us. Can I get an amen on that? He can handle our deepest sadness so that it doesn't, what, handle us. But you've got to go. You've got to allow your deep sadness to lead you to God and not away from him. Now flip in the Pew Bible to 1076, in your own Bible, to John 11. And I want you to see here, 
a real-life version of people dialoguing with God and how they feel. This is John chapter 11. It's the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I want you to see the interplay and the interaction here. In your pew Bible, it's 1076. I'm going to jump through different verses, but I'll guide you there. Let's start from the top. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So they sent word to him, like, Jesus, come on, I need you to handle this. Lazarus is not doing well. Skip to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for what? Four days. Jesus is late. (laughs) He is late. God's timing is not playing out how Mary and Martha want it. Lazarus is dead. When you're in the tomb, you're dead, all right? Martha comes at him hard, all right? Remember Martha and the Mary Martha story? She's the one like, hey, Jesus, Mary's not doing anything. This is a different scene. Hey, what are you going to do about Mary? So can you imagine? He knows he's going to get lit up as she's coming out, all right? Lord, Martha says to him, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But, isn't it interesting, but I know that even now God will give you whatever, I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. Lord, you have the power to handle my sadness and bring change to it. It's the same in our lives. And then here comes Mary. You expect a different reaction from Mary. I expect Mary to be like, Lord, your will be done. Because she's kind of like the smooth spiritual one of Mary-Martha combo. But look what she says. She lights him up. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, gave him a little more honor. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. That's surprising to me that she says that. She's angry, but grief will do that. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said, come and see, Lord. They replied, And Jesus wept. It's a bit of a mystery to me why Jesus wept there. He knew all the circumstances already. But he knew and cared for them, and so he wept. God can handle our deepest sadness. And you know what? He will cry with us. Have you ever really thought before that Jesus cries in your deepest deepest sadness, that God cries with you? I remember when I first thought of that, I couldn't even get my mind around it. Well, he knows. Why would he cry? Because he knows the end. But he's the compassionate one who meets us exactly where we are to help us handle our deep sadness. Look at Isaiah 53.3. It's on the board. He's a man of sorrows, and he's acquainted with what? Grief. So he can join us there. He seems all lofty and way above, but he himself. I think about like my years of wondering away from God, not wondering about God, but wondering away from God and how it grieved him. I have something so better for you, Brian. He grieved that, he grieved that, and you're wondering. He grieves when you're sad in your deepest moment. And then look what it says in Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of my sorrows. 
You keep track of my sorrows. Aren't there too many people in this world for him to keep track of all of our sorrows? But he's capable. And then you've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. I remember my anger during the time when Emma uh, had passed away. Somebody sent us a card with that line on it. And when I was angry, part of swearing... I would also judge everybody's spirituality. When people would say to me, hey, I'm praying for you, my reaction is, are you really praying for me? All right? Somebody would send me a card. Do you really mean that? I don't know why. I was angry at other people's compassion for us. It was the craziness of the anger. I remember I was sent that card, and I was like, that is like the phoniest hallmark line I've ever heard. He collects my tears in a bottle. But then there was something that changed me about that, where I was like, he collects every tear? And I get he's really not collecting them, but he cares about every tear that falls? He cares that much? And that's why the psalmist, who's David, wrote this, to just let us know, kids, adults, those who are seeking today, those who are stuck If Psalm 88 can be written, and then he declares that I'll collect every tear, and then you see Jesus weep, God cares about our sadness. And will you allow it to lead you towards him so that you experience the rich intimacy with him as opposed to the divisive bitterness that can come if you don't? I have this line I use now when people are crying in my presence. It comes from there. Because tears need to get out, to get out your deep sadness. Just like laughter has to get out when you see something hilarious. Men, women, let's not gender this. We all need to laugh and cry and sometimes pound our fists in order to handle what's going on in our souls. And so one of the questions I'll ask people often is, hey, what's in those tears? You're crying right now. What's in those tears? And I get that because God cares about all of our tears, and there's a story behind our tears. So as we go today, I leave you with a quote, because the paradox of life is this. (laughs) We can have tears about grandparents enjoying a dedication day, and then we can actually sit before the Lord and get to our deep sadness. Listen to this quote, life and death, joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain, can and do coexist, but embrace them both, church. Don't wait. Live in the paradox. Make peace with the mystery, for he is Lord over it all, and he loves us. Isn't that good? It's good truth. So as we close today, I'm going to ask Marty to begin to play because I want you to sit for a few moments in your deep sadness and name it and tame it and then claim what God wants to say to you about your deep sadness. So what is your sadness about? Where does it take you? What will happen if you don't deal with it? Will you trust God with it? There's a white card you could write it on in your pew. Just get it out and then go through this reflective process. You can put the slide up that has name it, tame it, and claim it on it. This is your moment 
will you allow in God into your deep sadness? Father, make this safe right now. Before we close, guide us in this reflection. This is your time, church. Thank you for tuning into our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.